Growth Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Travel Growth Podcast. I'm Tom McLaughlin, founder of SEO Travel, and this is where I speak to successful travel business leaders and dig into the successes, challenges, and learnings from their experiences over the years. So you, the listener, can take away actionable advice to enhance your own businesses and maybe even lives too. My guest today is Melvin Bocher. Melvin is the founder of Travel Dudes, a global community of experienced travellers who dig deep to find the best travel tips to share with the world. Travel Dudes has amassed a Twitter following of more than 250,000 people and has similarly huge numbers on Facebook, Instagram and the various other social media channels. Melvin is at the forefront of the conversation around influencer marketing and travel and partners with clients to create engaging content that reaches an audience of over 3 million travellers each month. We cover a lot in this conversation, from building your dream team to valuing your investment in content and marketing to ensure you're getting the best possible ROI. Melvin is a strong proponent of using partnerships to vote, and we cover various ways that you can do that, especially in the earlier stages when you don't necessarily have a big audience to share and you need to work out ways to offer value to others. We also get into the power of video and ways to use that for both social media and on your own website. There's loads and loads of takeaways in this one, as you'd expect from someone like Melvin, who's been in the business for a long time and is one of the original travel bloggers. So sit back, relax, and enjoy me talking to Melvin Bocher. Melvin, hi, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Pleasure, pleasure. Really excited to have you on. Um, I'm sure in the industry, there'll be lots of people who know who you are and kind of have a, a, a bit of understanding of your story and how Travel News came around. But uh, I'm hoping that we can dig into kind of the history a bit more and the kind of the business side of what you've done with it um, over the years, because yeah, I, you know, I know from our conversations that there's lots of interesting, interesting areas that you've covered. So looking forward to, to talking through it with you. Yeah, I think it was like, when you look back, obviously, there's this kind of um, strange feeling. Somehow it feels all very long. Well, I started with Travel Dudes 2004, and I do it full-time since 2007. And it, it's, it feels like such a long time when I started with that. On the other side, everything went so quickly. Yeah. It's like, yeah, this, this typical um, feeling when you look into the past, right? Yeah. And, yeah so, like, um, once someone said, yeah, wow, you're a pioneer, and I've never felt like that, but... When I think about that now, looking back, I, I can agree with that. Yeah, it's... yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Well, you were definitely one of the first on the kind of first on the scene, and we'll get you know we'll get into the story a little bit um, as to as to how it happened initially. But... And I think, and I think um, being called a pioneer sounds much better than um, being called old and um, old fashioned, <laughs> old fashioned. <laughs> yeah. Right. Absolutely. Oh, I'm a positive wife to it. Absolutely. No, I, it's definitely something to strive for. I'll, yeah. Old old yeah. man versus pioneer definitely, definitely sits better. Um, tell us, just going back to the kind of the start, Melvin, like what, when you, when you were a kid, when you were growing up, what did you, what did you dream about being when you grew up? What have been dreaming? That's a good question. I, uh, I guess like everyone else, like a, flying to the moon, being a fireman, I don't know what. Um, I don't really think that I, well, as a small kid, maybe, but like um, afterwards, I, I don't really think that I really had an aim of what really to become. Um, I've never really had 
It's more like more this normal process, taking step by step. But I've, I've never had this big goal. Okay. Did you have a job like a job? You mentioned a fireman there. Did you have a job kind of in mind that you 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 know you thought that's what I that's what I'd like to do? Um, being younger, uh, maybe. I think I simply forgot. <laughs> it's like um, there you see the old guy, the old man, um, not the pioneer. No, but it's it's like um, it just well. All my life was about travel, and um, it started with, with my parents. So we've been traveling, when, I think I was like five years old, and I've traveled from the East Coast um, in the U.S. to the West Coast with them over six and a half weeks. Um, so I've been always around um, traveling the world. And um, when I finished school, I started an, an, um, becoming like a travel agent and at Harpak Lloyd, a big company for business travel. So it was always about travel, and um, I really like working in the travel business, and um, yeah, I'm still sticking to it. Yeah, yeah, nice. Okay, so that's, uh, my next question was going to be, what's your first kind of memory of travel? Yeah, was it that then, the US, the US journey? I can't remember that one, but um, I still have um, in mind a photo uh, where I played um, tennis. Well, it was not a proper tennis record. I, I just was pretending playing tennis in the old World Trade Center, which is, of course, now very strange, as we know that it's not existing anymore. But I was standing inside playing, I guess, with my mom air tennis or something like that. And yeah. So then you, so then you, yeah, you, I guess you went through education and then came out of education and did, yeah, decided what you, you just wanted to get into travel. Is that kind of a, an easy flowing thing? Uh, I think it was more the normal process that I didn't know what to do. And um, I still had like also another opportunity, which was m much more um, business focused running Obi, one of the home worker markets. Um, that this would have been a, a long education further. I had the opportunity to do this or really becoming a travel agent. And um, I decided to go more for the passion instead of for the money and for the business. And um, well, I've done um, like a little job on the side, just like in the holidays um, in a travel agency, just like to test it. And and so it was quite, it felt quite normal to stick, uh, to go to the travel agency again. But I think it was also because I had no other bigger plans. Yeah, and like I said, like the with the home worker market, it, it just didn't feel right from heart. And that's like how I became a travel agent. And um, well, I always explain being a travel agent a bit like in the end, it's, it's a sales job. You sell something. But a friend of mine um, who was in the insurance business, when he went to people, he had to go to people to sell insurances. But every time when he came and um, they, they kept on distance to him because he wanted their money. And you don't love buying insurances. But in the end, it's a sales job, just like being a travel agent. Only with the difference is, as a travel agent, the people come to you and the more money they, they can spend, the happier they are. Yeah. <laughs> so it's actually a relatively easy sales job. And I've never been a salesperson, um, but I always lived just like from my passion for traveling. And um, so when I had like um, clients who wanted the three-star all-inclusive resort somewhere on, on, on the Palma de Mallorca, Tunisia, Egypt, I don't know what, I had trouble really to sell them to them. But if it was like an, a really interesting trip, maybe um, to through Portugal, to through with, with a road trip through Andalusia, or maybe to Africa, to America, that's like, um, I was not selling, I was just um, sharing my passion for these kind of trips. And that was 
Yeah, I felt a bit like a Zamarita, providing the the customer the best time of the year, the holiday. Yeah, yeah, nice, nice. And and what kind of tell us a little bit about the journey from there then to starting Travel Dudes? How did that How did that kind of come about? We had the big crisis in the travel agent or in the well um, in the um, no wait there was. After 9-11, obviously there was this huge crisis and um, everything went a bit down and also the travel agencies had a really tough time. And I've been working at um, Hapag Lloyd, which was, well, which is now known as BCD Travel. And they were quite a positive, good, strong company. And instead of firing all the people, they came up with a solution because they realized, okay, we... Um, we got really good stuff and we want to keep them, but we can't afford it. So they came up with the idea to pay the people money to not going to work. So instead of the full salary, they just paid 500, 800 euros or something like that. And um, you could take half a year time out. And that's what I've done. Like I've, took, I've, I've taken the money. I had some savings already for traveling the world. And with the money I got, I was able to pay my rent in Cologne. And then we traveled through Indochina, like the typical backpacker road with Thailand, Cambodia, Vietnam, and Laos. And we traveled for three months. And that's like um, a friend of mine who joined me, he started um, to build on travel dudes. So we both had the idea, and but he was, well, he's not really a developer, programmer, but he had some skills. So we, we, we started an, an online travel diary, which was called Travel Dudes. Okay, right, nice. So did you... What, what kind of time are we talking here? We, this is kind of early 2000s, is it, when you... 2004. Yeah. Okay. It was 2004. And, and what, it was interesting because, like, when um, it was really just meant um, that our family can join. Um, I guess travel blogs already existed, but I had no clue of that. And um, so we, we had this website and we were just writing a kind of diary. And my, uh, my family, they were reading it and they were sharing it to friends. And we got really good positive um, feedback. And so we, we started to keep on going with that. And we had lots of fun with that. Nice. But very, very quickly, we realized it's not just about us and about our travel diaries and our experiences. It's also like um, when, when you travel, you get the best tips from other travelers or from locals. And um, so we started also to share travel tips. And the next step was... It's not just about our travel tips. There are so many travelers who have far more experience than us, who have seen far more from the world. So we said, okay, let's start a community and everyone can share their travel tips. And the idea was brilliant, but no one cared. So yeah. it was us writing the travel tips because it was the beginning of everything. And so I was like, but I realized, oh, it's so much fun. And okay, let's keep on going. So while being a travel agent in the, in the evenings, I was pushing the website, writing tips and um, sharing my, my idea. So from that moment, the site grew bigger and bigger. And sooner or later, people joined writing tips and yeah, it got so always bigger. So we're back, back, in, back in that time when you started it off then, you mentioned your, your friend was a, like not a, a developer-ish, uh, part-time, you know, sort of, sort of part-time self-taught. Did you, did you launch it on, you know, a Blogspot or a WordPress or something? Or did you just come up, you know, come up with something yourself? No, we used Joomla, Joomla as okay. content management system. And then later we moved to Drupal, which is more um, community-based. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was really just like the beginning. But yeah, it was, it was very, very simple. Um, 
the design was quite good. It was like this green background, a bit of yellow. It was uh, was good. So we tried to stick to it, though we, we changed the colors completely now. Um, it was, yeah, I mean, 2004. It was, it felt like the, the very, very early days of the internet. Obviously, it's not that it was the 90s, but like looking back now and you see the, how website perform now and all you get for websites, it's, yeah, it's a, a completely different area. Yeah. And, and you, so it sounded like, was it, you mentioned you kind of moved the focus to getting travel tips from thinking about getting them from other people, not just, not just you. Was that, was that all in that first phase? It sounds like you kind of, I don't know, you sort of realized there was an opportunity there quite early on to turn this into something that, you know, more people would be interested in. Well, we um, had this one experience um, that was actually before we started with Travel Dudes. Um, we, I got like, as a travel agent, you get like really good deals for, for flights, um, at least at, those, at the, um, those days. So I got a flight to Bangkok and we just went for one week. It sounds ridiculous um, with time zones and stuff like that, but we jumped on, got on the plane, got there, and at the moment you were there, you already realized it was totally worth it. And then we traveled around Thailand for one week, more or less rushing through, but having a great experience. And it was that was actually the first backpacking trip I had. Before it was more like road road trip journeys and these kind of um, holiday experiences and uh, but that one was the first backpacking one and I remember we were sitting in a night train talking to some other travelers um, sharing some tips and it was it was such a good night um, having a beer with it and that was a really really nice evening but suddenly um, a guy came in and he was like I, I guess he was kind of I don't know what was wrong with him but he was um kind of jealous but so he started really showing off that we were the greenhorns which we were um, and he was just showing off how well traveled he was and this was like turning me off so much and I realized no that's something you never really want to become no matter how much you have traveled it's not about showing off it's really about sharing your experience and to encourage other people to help them to have a better time and that's something which stick to my mind all the time. And that's like um, also when um, I remembered again when we started Travelloots. And that's like, like I said, the process of first our own diaries about travel, then sharing tips and realizing very soon, no, it's not about us, it's about travel. Let's get other people on board. And obviously uh, you have journalists um, who get paid for, for writing travel tips and articles. And when I first approached them, they said, sorry, but it's a great idea, but I can't do this for free, and which I could um, which I understood. So I kept writing myself. Um, then I got in contact with other bloggers who started writing um, travel tips for, for travel dudes. And so travel dudes grew bigger and bigger. And um, it, it didn't take that long after two, three years when I approached the same people who first said, no, sorry, I can't do that. When I approached them again, they said, oh, yeah, sure, I, I would love to ride for travel dudes. Yeah. And still without paying. But uh, that's when I uh, find out what the trick is. It's, it's um, about value. So money is one value, but it could be also something else. So as a community, you can't pay really the community to, to share content. But what you can do is like provide an, another value. So travel dudes was already quite big in uh, on Twitter. So I was, um, on, and that's what I'm still doing, I promote the bloggers um, on Twitter. So they get a similar value back. So they, or they get a link back to their website. Um, I promote them on Pinterest and on Instagram and, and wherever. So it's more really like um, sharing value exchange. 
Yeah. Okay. And which I think I'll, I'll pick up with you a little bit later on, Melvin, on that on that front. Um, tell tell us just how did it go? Like the the detail between you having it as a thing. Did you did you go back to work? Did you have something that you were kind of going back to, or did it just carry on? Did it just flow from from doing that? No, like, well, we started 2004 with Travel Dudes and 2006, um, we still had the crisis in the travel agency, um, like everywhere, and it got worse and worse. And, well, the first couple of years in the crisis, I remember my boss, who was brilliant, she was really ace, I really liked her, um, but whenever there was a change in the company, she said, oh, just be lucky, just be happy, um, that you are still having a job. And um, she she was also correct with that. Like, um, obviously, it's it's very hard to get a company through a crisis, so there need to be changes. But after so many years, um, this this um, I didn't catch this phrase anymore. Uh, for me, it, it, it was not serious anymore. Um, so, like, when my colleagues were complaining about the situation, I went to them, and I, I but I, I meant it as a joke, and I told them, hey, I mean, just be happy that you still have a job. And they looked at me like very curious and strange. And that's like when I realized, oh, they don't get it. Uh, that was not like, um, that, that was a joke. And um, and I realized at that moment, I'm in the wrong position. I'm in the wrong spot. I need to, to leave the company. So then the company offered me actually to leave. And I got um, um, like a good payment at the end. And um, so I already had like money saved. We wanted to do another trip through Down Under, through Australia, New Zealand. Everything was already planned. And um, I even had my resign papers already ready. And I had one week left to, 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 to quit my job. And at that one and the last week, my boss said, OK, you know what? We have to close down the, your old office and we have to fire two or four people. But they didn't want to get fired. So I went to my boss and said, you know what? Instead of firing them, fire me. And that's what they did. So I got the payment at the end. Right. And um, with that money, we um, I was able to buy us a 4x4 in, in Australia. We had the rest of the money already. Nice. And yeah, that's so like um, leaving the travel agency was the best time. Yeah, yeah. it was brilliant. Fantastic. So you decided you were going to kind of leave leave the, the permanent job and, and go go full time on the road, Melvin. What? Like, did you have a business plan when you started out doing that? Obviously, it was fairly early on, so I guess there wasn't the professional blogger kind of idea out there at that time. What was your What was your plan? Well, I realized from running Travel Dudes before and ha already having the success that there's more potential. Um, the success was not really money, um, so I I doubt that we made any, really any money um, to that time but I realized there's far more potential. The success, you can see success in many different ways. Just like, I mean, looking at social media, getting likes and retweets, that's also a success, reaching a lot of people. Um, so I realized that there's far more potential. And then going down under to Australia, New Zealand, I realized um, I, I'm going, going to use this time to build up the business. So I'm using this um, to build up a lot of content. Um, I've got a friend who works for the BBC, who is a director who got me into video um, producing a bit. He gave me some really good tips. Um, I got more information about that. So I um, and all, I already loved um, video before, but I've never done it. Uh, but with his help, it was tiny tips, but they, they make really the difference. So um, I use already 
the trip through Australia, New Zealand to, to produce videos, to write a lot of articles and travel tips for travel dudes. And we got back after half a year. And then when that's like when I um, started the company and um, worked full time on it and just like keep pushing it full. Yeah, full time is makes a big difference, obviously. Yeah. So you were, I guess you were pushing, like you say, on, on content and things like that. At what point did it, I don't know, you, you kind of touched on before how it changed from people not wanting to do something for the site to other people really wanting to do it. At what point did you kind of feel like you had a tipping point where you went from just a guy who was writing on his blog to something that people really wanted to read? The change was having 30,000 followers on Twitter, and which was pretty much the same amount like Lonely Planet. <laughs> and wow. um, that's like, it was very interesting to see. We always have been on, on a very similar level uh, for the first three, four years or something like that. And at some point they just took off and now they are in a complete different league again, um, which is still like very surprising. I, I don't know what they have done. They came very surprisingly this big step forward because when you've, you've been following or being in the similar amount of followers all the time for years and suddenly they in, in just like, couple of months they have to like double and triple it's like hey what have they done right yeah, yeah. um i still don't know and i don't want to accuse them of anything bad but that's <laughs> like hey what happened um I, in the end they just need to go, do good marketing using their channels and that's like how you can achieve that but i don't know if they've done it but that was good to see but that made also for me like um the success was always being in, in this kind of a top league on twitter so when I tweet some something like a travel tip or and I add the profile of someone else, they always the bloggers came back to me and said, "Oh, it's awesome! I get new followers every time you tweet," and um, that provides a value. So, like for example, if I would get a journalist writing a nice article for Travel Dudes and maybe add some photos, you pay something depending on who you work with, but something between hundred and hundred fifty, maybe three hundred euros. Um, in Germany, you would pay even more. Um, but um, yeah, if you put a value on a tweet, some would put a value like 150, 200, 300 euros on, on a single tweet. I guess over the time now it got a bit less. But at that moment you see that it's a, like a similar value. And I never told people what the value is, but I think that people felt it and felt appreciated this. And um, this was, especially in the early days of social media, it was really about sharing and helping each other. And that's like what I'm, what made the success and which I st um, still see where you have opportunities. It's, instead of getting in competition, it's about working together and finding ways to help each other, especially in the tra travel industry. Yeah. It, we are not bankers. We are not insurance. It's, it's not about competition. It's really about the fashion for, um, and passion for travel. Yeah, I've seen you talk about this you know, a fair bit, and I, I totally agree. I think there is, like you say, it's, you, it's not, you know, even if you take it to a, a tour operator level that specializes in a different country it's not kind of those two people competing it's like yeah one year someone will want to go to this place and then the next year they'll want to be go to another place and it's it's kind of just harboring that love for doing something and there's room for everyone to benefit it's not a kind of a zero-sum game with it um how yeah what have you done then to sort of foster that feeling to you know is are there specific things that you've done to try and make that happen to like you say to to share the value with others to get others to share the value with you it's a lot of communication in the end i mean look like um it's up 
to me to approach the people I want to work with. So whenever I see someone um, on Twitter and um, I, I think they are they have potential in sharing good um, good travel tips, then I approach them and I ask them, hey, would you be interested? This is like um, what I have in mind, and then I send them an email and. I would say to 98%, I get like really positive um, responses and a success rate maybe of 60, 80. I've never calculated. It would be interesting, but I, I guess 60, 80% of the people really come back and write a, a really good travel tip. Yeah, because there's, there's, I, I think that, you know, when, when you go down that route, you realize that basically people are very open to it. <laughs> I think people that, you know, and, and the, the way that people often go wrong with this is that they think about what, what they want and they immediately approach people and say, hey, I want to get this. I want to write a guest post on your website or I want to do this. Whereas if they approach it in more of a giving way or more of a sharing way, then people are suddenly much more open, open to that. So I guess to your example there of approaching people saying, do you want to kind of write a travel tip and get exposure? To my to this big, big huge audience that's obviously much more appealing than uh, yeah just being asked if they want to give free content <laughs> yeah and, and it's such a simple tr um, simple way I mean um, I, I'm surprised that not more people do it obviously at some point especially when running a business money plays a big fact as well and a big value I mean you need to pay your your bills and, and your invoices you get and your team and stuff like that but on the other side there's always room really just like to to find good agreements to work together. For example, when, um, let's say, a big airline, Lufthansa, would come approach me and say, hey, do you, would, would you be interested to write a travel tip um, on an article for Lufthansa? Obviously, I know how much money they, they make, and I would first try to get paid for it. But on the other side, when they say, okay, unfortunately, we don't have a budget right now for this, would you still be interested? Then I would say no, unless they might include me in their newsletter or in a different kind of way or when... This article will get printed on the onboard magazine and it will be, um, it will show like travel dudes, especially maybe in a digital version with a link and stuff like that. Yeah. And at that moment, I get a value back and then I can like um, decide again, okay, is it worth it or not? Um, and so it's really more also this, this focus on this kind of barter agreements. Sure, at some point, you need to make also some money, but um, also there, you can help each other with that. Yeah, and it's in the build. It's kind of the different stages of the lifespan of of this, you know, the website or the business or whatever. Where obviously early on you need to give a little more than you can take because you don't have as much to offer. Whereas obviously further down the line, if you've spent the time and the effort building up that visibility and that profile, then you know suddenly you're a more attractive proposition and you can't you can focus on demanding, you know, demanding more. Than At the beginning you days, you do everything for free, which is normal. You're happy um, to get like. Um, well, also there again, like when talking about blogging, um, there's always these two ways. You've got the, the hobby bloggers, that's like most blogs started like that, traveling the world, sharing the experience, realizing you have more potential and then you become a semi-pro blogger, maybe already making a bit of money with it, but not, not a proper income. Maybe you get even like invited to press trips so you can travel for free, which is amazing. I mean, just imagine most people pay to travel the world suddenly you write a website and you get invited to explore a destination. And the first time you get something like that, you say, wow, this is amazing. It's so super cool. The more successful you, you get, obviously you get more invited on free trips and you still can't pay your bills because you don't make any money. 
Um, so at some point, and you, if, if, when you get to the next step where you have even more value to provide, you can charge even money for that. And that's like when you do destination marketing. Um, running, running a travel blog, I mean, promoting a destination is relatively easy. Uh, because you go into a destination and it's simply a good destination. There aren't any bad destinations. There's like bad experiences you can have personally, but it's not really the fault of the destination. I myself, I had that in Croatia. I had a really bad trip there. Um, everyone I tell that, no, that's you can't say that to Croatia. It's my, it's my favorite country in Europe. I know that, but my experience wasn't that good. So when I go back, I know Croatia is much better than my experience. So um, selling travel is relatively easy and um, it gets more complicated when you get to products. And if you want to make money selling a product, uh, I once had that as a carry-on luggage and they provided me one to, 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 to do a review, to test it. And I opened it, I put some, I wanted to stand it up and it always fell down again. <laughs> and I was like, wow, that's like, I try to get the best bag from them and it's all, always falling over. So you get to the counter to, of a check-in at the airline, you want to get out your, your mobile, your ticket or something like that, and your bag falls over. Yeah. It's like, that can't be true. Yeah. And that's like what can happen with products and not with the destination. Yeah. Or like if you take a car, if you want to do a road trip and you work maybe with Fiat and they give you a Fiat Panda, which was my first car, I loved it. But in the end, it's, it's not a really good car. So it will be hard to promote a Fiat Panda on a road trip. It's tiny, it's like hard. But if they give you a, a Ferrari, it's easy to promote. Yeah. And it's so different to destinations. So it's like very easy to promote destinations. Yeah. Well, and that's, then you suddenly you come to the next step that you are traveling and you make money traveling. And um, I mean, this, I mean, just imagine people normally pay, then you get free trips, which is amazing. And suddenly you make money traveling the world and writing about that. I mean, the travel journalists, that's what they do, TV production. It's not just bloggers. Obviously, there's so many more. But this is like a, a dream coming true. And what a lot of people haven't uh, realized is it's, there's even a step above that. And, and I always try to explain that to the bloggers. And the, the top level is when you pay for travel again, which means holiday. So you, you run a blog that's successful that you can afford yourself a holiday, that you yeah. don't need to write anymore, you don't need to production, because like um, doing yeah, destination marketing and these press trips and if it's paid or not, it's, it's great, it's awesome, it's a lot of fun, but it's also work. It's not a holiday, it's not your own plan, it's not your own itinerary. You have to really take a lot of um, different ways of, yeah, it's, it, it feels obviously very different. Still great, but a holiday is still better. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I totally agree. I think that, you know, in this world of, yeah, whether it's professional bloggers or influencers, uh, kind of people wanting to use social media as a career, like as soon as you put yourself under that spotlight it, and that is your career, it's very difficult to then separate it from, like you say, just normal life holidays, you know, those, those things. And I, there's a risk that you can almost kind of ruin the passion because it turns into the career, which is a you know, a, an easy trap to fall into, I think. Um, but t tell us a little bit more about Travel Dudes as it is now then. So uh, what's the setup, Melvin? Is it is it just you? Do you kind of employ, employ staff? How, how, does, how do things look on that front? Over the time, and um, I, I was lucky enough really to be successful also from, from making money. And uh, instead of 
getting myself an apartment in New York City, one in London, and I don't know what, like I've, I've always invested in, into the business. Um, so and investing it into the business means into a team, which made the company even more successful and having like help people really just like to help me with it. Um, starts with the, the first um, position I had like was uh, for social media, someone supporting me with that because like um, I was tweeting every hour which means I schedule the tweets. I, we do all the stuff manually. I don't like to have this stuff automated. I want to keep control and to have it um, in a really good quality. I want to make sure that it goes out like that. So it's more work. Um, but like, especially in social media where the, the time um, is, is so quick and um, everything which is older, like two, three days, let's, you, you can forget this kind of content. So you need to, to tweet a lot. And that's what I've done every hour. I was tweeting one, three tweets over years. And um, and finding a good person who is able to do that is also very tricky because you, you really need to rely on them. And um, you don't want to always check if they have done the right thing. And on the weekend, have they scheduled something and, or not, or maybe something different. different. So that was a big, bit different, uh, difficult to find the right person. But at the moment I had that, it, that was one of the, the nicest steps to do in really in this business career, growing the team and growing the team bigger and bigger, the more money you had and to share the success also with your dream team. So over the last couple of years, we really created a dream team of 10, 12 people. Not everyone full-time, lot with freelance because the um, I try really to, it's also one of the things like I could easily have like three, four full-time um, employees of that, but I try really to include more people and that everyone is in a role they really love and prefer. So also there again, it needs to be their, their passion. So if I get someone to do the social media scheduling and, um, but they don't like it, it's no good. And so you, you need to build this team and, um, yeah, no, I've got like a couple of, of, of video camera guys, um, different presenters, some, um, two, running social media, two, three people for editing. Well, right now we have the crisis. It looks a bit different different again with this damn coronavirus, but altogether, like uh, growing up this team, and I can really say that I've got a dream team all over all those years. And yeah. Yeah, nice. How, how do you find managing them? So you've, you've mentioned, obviously, finding the right people is so important and people who have the passion. Do you, are you kind of quite heavily involved in each of, their, you know what they're doing or do you just give them a general brief and say right off, off you go and, and get it done um i pretty much give them well it's a mix of both so when you are in this job i mean you're traveling a lot um, i go to many conferences where i speak um, where i also share my experience and um, then um, you have the evening events where you meet a lot of people and then um well you just chat and then at so many times you realize oh wow this is this moment now um, where you see potential. And then obviously, well, you simply ask them, hey, would you be interested? Or like one or two weeks later, I approached them again and said, would you be interested to, to help me with travel loots? With actually no idea of what they've been doing and if they are capable of doing that. But it's really um, because of this conversation and seeing what they have done, you, you get this feeling of they can do it or not. And also there, I think pretty much 80, 90% I was right with this kind of feelings and making the decisions like that. It doesn't happen always at the right moment or like right away, 
for example, one of um, also a friend of mine, Dave um, from the UK, he we were traveling through Finland in the winter after a conference, and we were sitting in a hot tub after the sauna and having a beer. Where all good conversations happen. <laughs> and suddenly, well, I realized, wow, what Dave is doing, there's so much potential. I want to work with him together. So we started on a project, which was already a good idea, but it didn't really work out. I think it was the wrong timing. We might give it another try um, in future. But I still felt, okay, okay, this one didn't work out. Let's try something else. And he got this very, um, he's just such, such a great guy. So I thought, okay, I'm doing videos. I want Dave as a presenter. And that was one of the best decisions because he's a great presenter and um, it's great uh, traveling together with him, producing travel videos. Yeah, nice. I, I think one of the, you know, that, that kind of thing of the way you've done it off the back of meeting people and understand kind of almost like knowing what they've done before and then sort of use it, seeing that they're the right kind of person and then bringing them into the business that way is a great way to do it. I mean, you know, a bit trickier potentially as a, you know, I guess a more traditional bit of business, you know, that sits in an office all the time. But I, that's one of the things I always look out for when we're hiring people is, have they done something themselves? Have they kind of, do they have a side project they've worked on? Is there something that shows that, you know, kind of shows off what their skills are rather than just a traditional, oh yeah, I've worked at this place and I worked at this place and I worked at this place. Like, I, I think you definitely see a lot and that's a benefit of, you know, the, anyone who comes from a blogging background is they've kind of got off their arse themselves and they've done something off their own back and you can, it's a very clear illustration of what they're capable of. Yes, absolutely, I agree. And I think I, um, it's like with also with so many projects and it's similar with working with other people, it's trial and error. It needs to fit. And um, sometimes, I mean, the, the most success, I think it comes through that. I mean, you have to try many different things and you don't know if it's successful unless you try it. And a lot of the, those things you try might have not been successful and then you do it something else. And that's the same with um, when you work with other people. I mean, like uh, in my position, I, I never had like an, an investor or like a credit to start big. It was always growing naturally, organically. So um, I was forced um, to work with freelancers. So we always had this big freedom between each other. And um, so when they weren't happy, they simply stepped out in the same way with me, um, which made it very easy. Now I'm in a, in a position like um, hopefully after the crisis, when um, this, everything goes back to normal again, I wouldn't have a problem to really hire one of my team members also full-time, um, but only after already working with them for, for so many years and knowing uh, what they do and how it works. And I think in the normal job world where, well, you get all those emails applying for jobs and job interviews, you, it's, it's something different. It's, it's, I think it's very difficult to find the right people that way. And obviously it's... Um, yeah, and it's of course you don't really want to hire people. You don't want to really to fire people. It's it's a it's it's a very tough decision um, the normal regular companies are in. Um, so I'm actually very happy the way I was able to grow so far, also with the team. And yeah. and, and it's the same. Like at the moment, like um, just like recently, I was thinking of um, growing and using the, the current crisis to, to grow even much bigger as travel dudes. And I've been speaking to my team members and every time I try to get them involved even more, a lot of time they say, 
we love what you do, but no, we let, let's keep on working the same way. They also want to keep their freedom, and uh, which is very unusual. And I get the complete support, but um, they would never say, no, uh, actually, I don't even want to become a partner. I prefer the way it is, no matter how successful we are. It's very strange sometimes. Yeah. And, um, I guess it goes back to the, the passion versus, you know, what do you view success as? And, you know, for a lot of people, it's not just getting money or getting, you know, a bigger job role or something like that. It's like they just want to do what they do and have freedom. And yeah. Absolutely. And, and also there again, like, most of my um, people I work with um, in my team, they've been working even for free for Travel Dudes because they believed in what I was doing. Like Bridget, who is um, now obviously I pay her, but like um, in the first couple of years, she helped me editing. Whenever she had time and fun, she helped me editing some, some articles which came in. And I needed the support and I wished I was, would have been able to pay her right from the beginning, but I simply had no chance. But we grow the business together. And um, she did an amazing job over all those years. And at the moment money comes in, I'm always happy, really just like to forward money to her and to involve her more and more. And the more I can pay her, the better it is for everyone. And also for me, I've got less editing work myself. I, and uh, she's more successful. She gets more money. The, the business is more successful because we've got lots of work. So it's like sharing the success and the money is actually always like when I get um, an invoice from one of my team members, I always love paying it right away because I know it's the right process, it's the right way. Nice, nice, yeah. Tell, tell us tell us a bit more about your day-to-day, Melvin, then. So how, uh, obviously, the team are coming in there. I guess there's a bit more management coming into it. You mentioned conferences. What's your, how, how does your day-to-day look on a, you know, a kind of, a, 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 dare I say, a normal week? Well, the normal week is sitting in front of the desk, into the computer, writing emails, writing messages messages to my team. Um, I mean, that's also like my team. Sometimes it would be nice really to have a team right in the next room where you can tap them. I'm, I'm missing that also like from my travel agent days. Uh, but on the other side, like finding the right people, you might, well, I'm sitting on the countryside outside of Cologne. I wouldn't find the right people here. Uh, they would have to travel for for quite a bit, like one hour to get here with the right people maybe. And now I've got like one team member is in Düsseldorf, one is in, in, in Hamburg, one is, um, well, there's in Cape Town, in Joburg, so all on, on Madeira, in the UK too, so one in Amsterdam, so it's all over the world. So you, the, the trick is you need to really keep a very honest and good communication, and that's um, what I'm trying, that's my job pretty much. So it's like communi- communicating with the team as best as possible. You can always improve that. There's always time where it's not running very good and you, you need to communicate even more. Uh, but altogether, I think we found a really good way of that. And then obviously, I'm most of the times I'm, I'm writing emails. <laughs> it's like quite boring, I would say, um, but I still enjoy it. And I, I, I think I love communicating. Um, and this is like managing everything. It's like a lot of emails. And um, well, and then obviously you get the campaigns. And that's always like a bit risky because at the moment you run a campaign and you travel into a destination to produce a video, I'm, all, I'm focused 100% on that. I'm not checking emails. So everything else is light back. And... Um, and it needs to be because you stand up in the morning at six, seven o'clock and um, have a very quick breakfast, maybe just scan the emails, but then you have breakfast and then you are out in the field um, creating filming videos. And 
even lunch and dinner time is when you work because you film those again. And then you might head back to the hotel, maybe have a quick shower, but then you go out into nightlife because you might want to film that. And even if not, if you don't want to film that, you still want to experience and enjoy the destination. For me, it's like very important to also like just have some fun time. And um, so you come back at 11, 12, if not 1 or 2 a.m. in the morning, you get like four hours sleep and then you have to get up again. So this one week or a couple of days producing videos, it's an amazing time, but it's also really, really, really a tough time somehow. So when you come back again, then you are three weeks at home and then you have to deal with all the business. You have to work um, on the videos. You, make, you have to make sure that your um, videographer is like, well, I don't need, need to make sure he's doing an amazing job, but then you have the communication still there. You have to send the videos to the client. Then all the emails which came in in the last week, you have to handle those. So it's like I'm living in two worlds. I'm living in, in front of my PC, um, having my home office with my family um, in the same building, which is amazing. Gives me a lot of quality and lifetime. Also a lot of noise in between. Like, obviously, when you write emails, they come in, yeah. you have a video call. It will happen maybe any time is here. They come in. Um, it's annoying at that moment sometimes, but a lot of times it just also gives you the quality and, and the, the life I really love. Um, instead of going to the office by in the car for one hour, it's like two hours of time I have with my family again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I guess, again, like, the you know, the pandemic has shown, sort of illustrated what we were missing a little bit on that front. You've... you've been sort of blessed with the fact that you you were kind of in that situation anyway. I think a lot of people who did obviously used to go to the office have almost stumbled into that and realised the benefits of it. Um, it Interestingly, one of your points on the t having the team as well to what you were saying earlier on there. I I I think one of the again one of the interesting conversations that happen has happened through the pandemic has been about the remote work and how you know this is the new world and everyone can just work from home. But I've almost had kind of the opposite feeling of the the quality of time that you get with people kind of when you're all in one room really does make a difference. It's it's kind of emphasized it to me how important it is to have that time when you're all together. Um like, like you say, it's you know it's it's tricky depending on where you are and kind of the balance of, of what what's you know what works for different people. Um but yeah, it's yeah. Like so often I would really have, would also like to have an office. And for, for me, it makes simply no sense. So I got used to the situation here. Uh, but I, I'm, I still have those kind of thoughts again and again all the time because it's, yeah, it's a, it's a people's job. I mean, traveling, it's not just about the destination, but it's about the people you meet. And that's the same like in, in the job itself. It's like um, having a good team. It would be great to see your team more often and to work on stuff. You, I think you can create even better results like that. Um, yeah. but it needs to fit. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. These, so tell us, tell us a bit more about kind of the, the marketing things that you've done that have helped travel dudes grow. So you've, you know, you've talked about the, the Twitter side of things and obviously kind of being, I guess, a bit of an early adopter and picking up steam with Twitter had a massive impact on your, your growth. Is there anything else in particular that you think has really helped you, you grow over the years? Uh, well, um, well, at the beginning when I started with Travel Dudes and that, like, I joined Twitter after one year it existed, and at that time um, there was nothing really on the German market, and Travel Dudes was running, I think, 
um, in German and in English. But then I made the decision to completely sw switch to English because of social media. And I had no marketing budget. My marketing budget was my time. So I invested a lot of time in, on those channels, building those up, especially Twitter, then also, uh, also Facebook. And I hated when Instagram came up because they started only on the iPhone. And I didn't like the policy and the, 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 the way um, Apple was handling the business. So I didn't buy an iPhone. And it took them, I think, a year or more um, until they opened it for Android, which I hated. I mean, why would you do that, right? And um, I was so much behind. After, um, um, I was missing out a complete year on Instagram. But yeah, then we picked it up there as well. So a lot of the early years, it was investing all the time into the social media channels. And I remember like my first marketing budget, I think it was like 50 euros, which I spent on advertising. I think it might be Facebook or something like that. And that was already when I was quite successful, but we, we didn't need it. But that was like when the algorithms picked up and um, when you had suddenly had to, to... It's so ridiculous if you think about that. So you build up an audience, you invest a lot of time on a channel which profits from it, and suddenly they turn it around and you have to start paying money to reach your audience, which you have built up for them, which they profit from anyway. So actually, they should like pay us money to, to run Facebook, right? But they, they got it to a point where they just simply turned it around, thanks to the algorithms. And um, yeah, this, this, well, and this is like, well, you adapt to it. I mean, the thing is, you do it or you leave it, right? And uh, for me, it's still like this mix. So sometimes you pay to, to reach the, the audience, which you build up. And uh, most of the time I still try to, to not do, do it, but like to keep it organic. But like, if you really want to have a big success, well, you can do it quite smartly. So you see the content which performs well, and then you, you advertise a bit more there. Uh, because yeah, that's also the difference of not doing it as a hobby anymore. It's a business. So you need to see the business um, sides of that. And that's marketing. That's like you spend for advertising. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I guess, communities being kind of at the heart of what you've done as well you have gone you know from those early days of just kind of getting inviting people to like travel tips now there's so many people who have come in and kind of been part of travel dudes that i guess that's you know that in itself you know whether you look at it as a marketing tactic or or however it's like it's it's done a great job in, in that sense. Well, and also there again, they help to promote travel dudes. So you you write a tip for someone, obviously you want to share it. You're proud of what you have written. Well, you should be. Otherwise, why why you have you written it, right? So yeah. it gets published somewhere. So you you're going to promote it. You promote it on Twitter, on Facebook, on um, Instagram, on on Pinterest. So you help to promote travel dudes. But at the same moment, you promote yourself because it's your own profile and it's your own um, your your own. Well, you build your own audience on a different channel again. So you promote travel dudes, but in the end, you promote yourself. And that's also there again. Like when I have a travel blogger writing an article for travel dudes, I list them on a um, RSS feed and I get their articles, which I promote through travel dudes again. And that's again where I provide a value back. So we are also very successful on, on Pinterest. So their articles and their travel tips we promote them through our Pinterest boards. Yeah. Or on Twitter and other channels. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, is, is there, I've, I've seen you talk about 
kind of advertising equivalent value and things like that a, a fair bit. Give, give, can you give us a, your thoughts on that in the sense of, yeah, kind of how, how you view that for when you're getting, you know, if you're getting coverage for things down the line, you know, on a, on a campaign or, uh, yeah, for, for other bloggers or something like that. How do you, how do you view those, those numbers? The, um, I mean, we had this discussions from the beginning. It's like, um, you have this big audience and you have bigger audiences than maybe newspapers where they work with 20, 30, 50 people full-time, and you do this alone as a single travel blogger, but you can't pay your invoices, more or less. So it's always like the survival game, especially when you start being like a semi-professional blogger where you already have potential and you make some money, but um, you realize that you need to get paid and you provide a big value, but you can't put a number on that. And I, I still see that all over. It's always gets back to understanding the value which you can provide and uh, for your content on and for your promotion. So when you write an article, you can put an, a value on that. Um, depending on the market, this can be 100 euros, maybe it's even 400 euros for writing an article. So that's already like a price you can work with. Then you put it online and people read it. So if you have an audience and um, no matter where your audience is, if it's like, if you have a big audience on your website, that's the best. Because, I mean, you handle your website yourself. You, you don't rely on others, not on, on, on the algorithm of, of Facebook and, and Instagram and these kind of things. Um, it's all, yeah, I mean, look at all the influencers who build up a big audience. Mostly are paid and, and bought, but like, okay, they have this big audience. Um, and then suddenly they, they change the algorithm and all your audience is gone. So, and also the people, when you work with influencers, I mean, that's like, you've got content especially stories. I mean, how ridiculous that you, you post something and the content is dead after 24 hours because it's deleted. You can't use it anymore. And the reach is also far less. I've seen the statistics of the, the, the reach in stories is not existing as in normal Instagram posts. But even better is obviously an article which creates value over many, many years and builds up traffic over years more and more. So you have this traffic and you have this audience. So on top of the article, you can add another value, which is the promotion. I once did a calculation because that's like was the early days when I realized about this, this problem we have. I went to a cruise magazine and I looked up their advertising of a single page. And this uh, magazine had a distribution of 40,000, 50,000 um, printed magazines, something like that. And they were charging 600 euros no, they, they charge actually far more. Um, it was thousands. But when you calculated it um, for the people reading this um, this magazine, I calculated into the digital format, is which is 1,000 views, CPM, cost per, mil, um, per, per views, per impressions. <coughs> Sorry. So when I calculated this price into CPM, it was 600 euros for 1,000 views. And when you go into digital advertising, um, it's very hard to get a banner advertising selling it for ten dollars, ten euros, um, yeah. and w something like that. It's unbelievable. So, like, if at the moment you would be able to to sell a banner for forty euros, which is still like so far off from from the six hundred, you would be you would have no pro problem dealing and as running a business as a travel blogger. And that's when I realized, okay, the um, in the digital world they haven't understood their value because a thousand readers are a thousand readers. 
doesn't matter if it's online or print. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, you know, it's, I, I guess it's something that's sort of consistently changing and people are getting better and better at understanding where the value is. But I, yeah, I, I think there's still very much a mentality of people being a bit stuck in the, I don't know, having a physical thing that they can touch almost to give something more, more value when, Again, at the end of the day, you just want the eyeballs of potential customers, don't you? That uh, you know that can see it. What, what would you What would you say, Melvin? To so, if you were talking to uh, you know a small travel business, how would you recommend them get the most out of doing something you know like that? You know, if, if they're putting it in front of them with their, they've got some they've got some money to spend, not not a huge amount. What? How would you suggest kind of using that to get the biggest, you know, the biggest impact? Um, the, the process, what I do is like, so like, um, I can like work pretty much with every, any budget. So when someone comes to me and says, okay, I've got 1,000 euros, I've got 5,000 euros, I've got 10,000 euros, that's what I use. I see the value, I calculate, um, I, I know what value I can provide. I know my prices I, and I'm not guessing them. That's like, um, I'm comparing them with other prices. I can I calculate that I, I created uh, many years ago an own, own algorithm for that. So I can like see, okay, when I've got 1000 budget, obviously I always want to provide them the best results I can offer without overcharging and not charging enough as well, obviously. So I see for 1000 euros, I can offer maybe four tweets, one article, one teaser video. I don't know. I'm just coming up with some, something else. But I see the value in the moment they um, double their value, their budget to 2000 I can add more. And I'm not guessing. Um, and then again, I can like, I can see, okay, the Facebook costs like 100 euros or 150 euros when you have more exposure. And um, when not, yeah, when you have, when you reach more people, obviously you can charge more. And it's like, um, you can like, it's it's a kind of, well it's a simple agreement then and uh, but it's very un, um, very important that you simply understand and know your own value not together but of all the single posts and um, um, services you offer. Yeah, I think going back to just something you touched on before as well was you were saying about getting the, the kind of long term value rather than a you know a story which disappears and you almost invest the time and effort into producing as putting that story together. And then it's gone and you can't use it for anything anymore. Whereas, you know, something like that, that combination of, I guess, kind of social push that is a bit more in the moment and getting something out there. But then also having content tied into that, I think, is a really important part because you do get the longer term benefit. So, again, if you have an article that's on Travel Dudes and you get a link from it, then, you know, you're consistently going to have the benefit SEO wise from from the link or if that article on Travel Dudes ranks well in the search engines, you potentially will get traffic to that page that mentions, you know, that mentions you. And so again, you get kind of an ongoing, an ongoing benefit. And yeah, I think it's more and more important that, and it's one of the beauties of the kind of digital side of things is that you can create things like that, which provide ongoing benefit, like long into the future. And it's not just a, oh, here's this month's magazine, a person might read it once and then it's gone and you know then it's not printed again so that's that it's it's kind of like it's cumulative that builds well i think also there again i mean stories they might work so let's say you create a story which get deleted after 24 hours but you reach 10,000 people then it's awesome 
if compared if you would have had like a normal post and you only reach 2,000 people. Obviously, then you go for the stories. But 98% of the people don't have it like that. Most stories, I've seen all the stats, uh, most stories don't reach the people. I, I've seen two people, um, two bloggers who will run it very successful, uh, all the others not. So you invest a lot of time into dead content. And um, a lot of people still request the stories, also from the tourism boards and marketing agencies. And I don't know why. I mean, just like think about what you do. Um, you want to reach people. Don't do it only because it's hip and a hype and everyone is doing yeah. stories. Yeah, let everyone do stories and be and waste their time. But think, where do you get the most value of? Obviously, when a and tourism board doesn't approach me, um, or like when they approach me, they can't know. But they can ask me. And it's my job as a travel blogger to tell them, you know, we can do stories, but I would recommend you not to do that. Like, let me run, give you the exposure yeah. in the best way I can do it for you. Because it depends what the people are doing at the other end. So if they, if you're running a story and it's driving someone to, you know, someone's website, and there's a bit of a difference here between, I guess, where you're marketing a destination a lot of the time with what you're doing, where it is very much just awareness and, I guess, desire to visit that destination. I guess, and if you're a, again, if you're a tour operator or an accommodation website or something like that, you know, I'm thinking those stories might be good, but you need something at the other end that when you drive that awareness. That you that that you capture those people when they come to you. That it's not just a transient thing. That the story drives them to you. They look at you, and then tomorrow they've forgotten about you because they didn't take any action. So you you need some sort of content at your side to 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 capture the people once once you've driven the awareness as well. And I think that's again something that people often sort of miss and and forget about is that they kind of just want the awareness and. And they sort of forget about the fact that the value for money comes if you if you grab onto those people and keep them longer term rather than just having them aware of you for a day or you know a, a five ten second moment in time. Well, and there's many different ways how you can like drive conversions and bring them to the tra um, to drive traffic. You don't need the stories. You can do that in a normal Instagram post as well, or on Twitter, or on Facebook. Like for example, like what we do is like um, I mean, like in the we we done videos for many many years but since the last three years we changed our format completely again um, by not filming ourselves anymore like the vlogger style but we um, have someone well now we've got camera guys who film my presenters and it, the, the quality changes so much it gets so much better and I'm still surprised that not more people invest when they do a campaign and invest into a camera person because you suddenly you, you get to the stage of running a production so we have our own travel show now and um, so we create videos which are 10, 15, 20, 25 minutes long. And, but obviously you don't get an audience on that in, on the digital um, channels like Facebook and Instagram. So what we do is like create little teaser videos, maybe only eight seconds long, maybe 10 or like 20 seconds long, but eight seconds is enough where you just have the presenters um, talking into the camera, hey, I'm having a great time here in blah, 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 and click on the link to find and to see more of our video. And so like, and if you advertise this little teaser videos, you reach hundreds of thousands of people and it's quantity. But because it's just like this little teaser and he got the, the call to action to go onto your website to the long video, you suddenly might have only like 100, 200, 500 or 1000 people who watches the long video, but that's the quality traffic and the quality travelers yeah. who you actually want to run. So you got a big inspirational face with a lot of quantity, exposure, 
and then you use that to drive traffic and quality traffic, which is far less, but that's the ones you're really after. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, you have done in many forms, and I think it, it, it ties in with the whole kind of sharing and, you know, all of like sort of tip the tap kind of approach that you've talked about, the like partnership approach. So whether that's with individuals and them writing for you and you giving them something back, or whether that's kind of things, I guess, more in a commercial sense where you've done partnerships with destinations or, you know, campaign style things, or things more specifically for you where, you know, you've obviously done stuff with like ITB and, and Travel Massive. I, you know, I was looking at something like that when I was doing doing the research. Tell us, how, how, how do you, what do you think makes a partnership work? Like, have you got any tips on how best to get the most out of a partnership? The same again, it's about sharing values. Like, um, I'm, I'm very happy at the moment with ITB. I mean, it's the, the biggest travel trade fair in, in the world. So when I can share my experience there, normally as a speaker, I would get a fee between 2,000, 5,000 euros or something like that, um, especially being a pioneer. <laughs> but like, um, I mean, it, it's, it's a fact. I mean, like, um, I don't want to stand out, but like, there's, I've got so much experience collected over all those years, and I'm happy to share it. So normally I would charge for this. But like at the, uh, on the other side, like at the moment, I, I'm standing on the stage on ITB and I got an audience of 200, 500, 800 people in front of me. That's a big value for me. And, and I, I'm not telling them, but maybe I would even pay them. <laughs> no, but then, then it goes the wrong way again. But that's like, um, it's a barter agreement. Like um, they, they, they respect and value what I can offer and I value it in the same way. And um, when there's a different conference and I'm not sure like if they can really provide me the, the, um, the same kind of value, I will start charging. And um, it's, yeah, it's simple as that. I mean, it's like always also here again, all about the value. Yeah, yeah. You, you touched on this, like the speaking side of things that obviously you've done a lot of that now. How, how did that come about in the first place? Was it something you pursued? Did it kind of come about by accident of you know, you just had a platform and someone invited you. How, how did that happen? Oh, um, well, we've been blogging for quite a few years already. And um, I would say around eight, nine, maybe already 10 years ago. Um, that's like when blogging came also more successful in the public. And when companies, uh, well, they got it kind of hip and and... Yeah, at that moment, I don't know if they approached me or if we approached them. Um, I guess they approached us at that time, and, and it was a natural fit. So they asked us because we are we were already known in the industry. We've been speaking at blogging conferences, which they attended. They've seen us speaking there, I guess, and that's when they approached us and said, "Okay, can you share also your experience on, on our trade fair?" And from there on, it just like uh, grew began bigger, so that I. Most travel trade fairs, and especially in Europe, I've been speaking in the past, and and also there, I think it's like um, the the most important of doing this is having the right audience in front of you so that you can educate them. It's not like I said, I'm. It's not really about earning the two thousand or five thousand euros 
on one session pre presenting and sharing your experience. It's uh, what is far more valuable, especially in the early days, was to explain what you were doing because it was so so similar to what a journalist was doing. We had, like I know, in the first couple of years, we had those kind of fights where uh, the journalists felt threatened by the travel bloggers and they um, they felt that we were taking away their jobs, which was not the, really the case. And actually, a lot of journalists turned into bloggers. But the thing is, the industry, um, when not the big ones, not like National Geographic or BBC, but like not, uh, with a lot of magazines, when as a destination PR agency, when you approach them, you invite a journalist into a destination, they will forward you. You talk to them, and they will forward you to the to the marketing departing, department where you have to buy advertising. Um, but the, the bloggers have never understood that. And um, so as a blogger, you do everything. You, are, you, you do the PR, you do the writing, you do the marketing, you run everything. But you, they haven't understood that when you get invited on a press trip, that the industry then can also leave the marketing budget in your company. So, and the industry haven't understood that it was also very important actually to do that. Because like, when you invite a travel blogger for free, but they have to close the blog after one or two years because they can't afford it, then it was a waste. That was not a proper investment. So it would make far more sense to choose the, the blogger very wisely, but then also work on a paid level with them. Pay them for the destination marketing or for better advertising for or for anything, it doesn't matter what, or for content which they produce for, for yourself. But just help them to make a living of that because it's an investment and they're the content they produce on the channels you know will exist also in a couple of years. And um, so that was this, this, this struggle we had in the beginning. So like um, the media have seen us more as competition instead of finding ways of how working together because they still struggle also in the digital way. They still haven't found a way how they can like, compensate um, the, the income stream in the same way as in print. So they have this huge, massive companies blown up um, with a lot of costs behind that, creating or like running or, or producing newspaper, print them, d distributing them. It costs so much more than running a website having just a couple of developers and servers there. So, yeah, it makes a lot of sense, really, just like, um, yeah, for, for us, it was just like, yeah, really just like the um, finding a way also there again to, to help each other also with the print media and find ways to, to work with them together. And I think a lot of have, actually, in the past years. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Your point, your point of... Um how invest like, like choosing the right blogger in the first place or influencer you know with whatever you're doing and then i guess understanding that if you support that person then you will get more long-term value is a really good way of looking at it so yeah if if if, if the industry is not behind supporting the people who are helping them to get their message out there then those people will stop doing what they do and then you kind of lose all the benefit from from what you know what was done in the first instance which yeah that's a, that's a really good take on it um you you kind of with the, i guess obviously with the speaking and a lot of other things that you've done your sort of personal brand has grown and you know you are melvin from travel dudes that's kind of how you know those two things are very much intertwined was that a 
deliberate thing that you did as that kind of happened by accident do you have do you have any tips to you know kind of how to how to grow that is it something you would recommend i guess as well um, yeah, I get to that. I just just want to go to the last point because I forgot to say because we were talking about the, with the presentation and I think what is far more important, like sharing the knowledge into the industry so that they know how the way how to work with you instead of just charging money. Because if the industry understands, okay, that blogging is same same but different to print media, then this is also this is an investment into my future business. So when I've got a big audience in front of me and they know how to work with me. I prepare already the business for the future instead of losing out in, in the future. And that's why I'm, I was always very happy in the past to always share my experience. Similar here, I'm, I'm happy to, to share the knowledge. More people yeah. find out about the, the potential and the opportunities they can grip, the, the better it is for everyone. Well, and with, yeah, and with my um, showing the face being Melvin from Travels, it's actually funny because it's only on Twitter like that. <laughs> and I'm still having my old, very, very, very old Twitter profile, um, which is a kind of horrible because I've got the red shirt on, was taken in India, drinking an iced tea, and um, it said something else on the T-shirt. And that was my first try with um, PowerPoint, no, uh, with, with uh, Photoshop, deleting the red and writing something over. And it, it's such a bad job, but I'm keeping it now because it's all there all my time and uh, my yeah. face. And I'm I, I, I'm not sure if I will ever change it again. Maybe I will keep it forever because it's already there. I, did, I didn't know that was a Photoshop. Actually, interesting. <laughs> That's a good little nugget. <laughs> it's a bad job done by me. I would do it different. Uh, but I would, but also now, I mean, I could ask someone else. I still have original photo. I could ask someone um, to write travel dudes in a better way on that but no i, I stick to that no, it's it's um, part of the yeah. of the whole story yeah do you, so do you think on that person like kind of personal brand thing do you is it is it not something that you've tried to do it sounds maybe like you've tried to stop doing that so it isn't melvin and travel dudes all kind of no, I, I really just, um, just used it for twitter because similar like what I said earlier, it was never about me, about um, me traveling, writing a tri travel diary. It was about travelers sharing the experience. Um, my my sister recently just said, oh, you have to show your face more often. And, and, and I would be more successful if I would, um, because that's also the success of the travel bloggers. It's like you can have a far closer relationship with that person at that moment. But for me, um, I try really to build up travel routes that it's not me, but really a community behind that. And that's also, again, like, it's like I, um, part of the success. I'm always happy, like, when I've got um, an author, like a travel blogger writing for travel dudes, when I'm happy, I can, like, promote them. I, he becomes part of the travel dudes family. And now, over the last couple of years where I build up my team, I want to push them more into the into the foreground. Like, if you look at our travel dudes videos, um, you see the whole team. And sometimes, in between, you see my face in the videos. But you never really see me talking much, or maybe I'm just like it's more like who's this, who's this guy who always drops in into the video, this Mr. X. Well, and that's me. So I'm always there. And sometimes I drop in, but um, I want to that my team is the face of Travel Dudes. But I guess yeah. But for the success of our, um, for blogger, I mean they don't run a community. Then you need to show your face. It's your personality yeah. who, who who creates the whole business um, success. I guess there's a bit of a separation there of like the content on Travel Dudes itself and then the other things. So, you know, I'm thinking about the speaking when you're at ITV or, 
you know, you're doing podcasts and things like this where, you know, it's it's kind of you as an individual who's speaking. Um, that all of those things are also kind of growing the visibility of, of travel news. Um, yeah, me in my face. Yeah, and, and if you... Is, is it a kind of clear, would you do that again? I guess I'm thinking, again, if like people are listening, they're running a business and they might not have, you know, you, if you were to look at that business, you wouldn't have a clue who was running it. Whereas if for you, obviously everyone knows that Melvin's running Travel Boots, even if he's not the person who's at the forefront of the content on the site itself, it's very easy to draw those two lines together. Do you think that's something that like companies should do to help with their own marketing or the, you know, just the general growth of their business. Do you think it adds something that allows having a bit of a person, you know, some sort of personality, a spearhead well, to, to drive it forward? Yeah, it depends on the company and if you're an asshole or not, right? <laughs> ah, quite. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and I mean, like a travel industry, it's uh, like I've met so many amazing, interesting people. I would normally, I would always recommend, yeah, you have to show more of your personality. This makes the difference, especially as an entrepreneur, there's always a story. I mean, it's also about traveling. And um, I don't know who told me that, but like, it's so obvious. Every person got a story to tell. You need to just need to ask the right questions. And that's um, not just a travel industry like that. That's for any business out there. And um, so, and that's like when you run and you started the company, I mean, as an entrepreneur, you have your story. I think I, yeah, to, you know, the, the thing of, everyone in, in travel kind of having their story to tell. I, I totally agree. You know, I find, you know, people, whether it's clients we work with or other people who I've met in the industry, they all just by proxy from doing the things that they do have, have amazing stories to tell. And I, I think, yeah, just a lot of the time they, you know, but because of their personality, they don't want to put themselves out there necessarily but there's a lot of benefit to be had from doing that in a, a kind of, you know, a subtle way. And, and, you know, a lot of the time people approach the promotion of their business in a case of like the business is a separate thing and, you know, they have to get coverage in the Sunday Times Travel Magazine. And there's this kind of traditional route of here's a business, here's a tool we offer, get that tool in the Sunday Times Travel Magazine. But actually there's this whole other area of things over the, over the other side that you can be doing that that will also promote your business and that could be doing a podcast and telling your personal story or yeah it could be uh i don't know doing some sort of interesting video type stuff on social media and yeah, there's the like it could be talking to like b2b type outlets about how you run your business rather than focusing on the specific thing that you offer and all those, that distinction of more like, yeah, like a, a B2B promotion versus the kind of traditional consumer angle is a, you know, is a really interesting one. And um, I don't think it's one, that pe- it's one that people really exploit that much because it's really a lot of opportunity there. Yeah, well, I think it's like, if you are like in a, in a traditional business, you've, you've been grown up in there, you've been taught in running um, in this kind of industry, you're not open for many things anymore. You're blocked in a box. And as travel dudes, I mean, I was always in travel, but I had no idea of running a media company, um, which sometimes made it more complicated. But on the other side, I, I could be like very naive about things and turn down those blockades and create 
complete new things. So, and um, even now, have, I, I have a lot of experience uh, collected over all those years, but I'm still not a, a typical production company. I've never did an education into editing or um, video directing or stuff like that. But on the other side, um, also with the passion, I've learned so much on that. And when you compare the results, they are simply good. But because of not being stuck in the, in the box and doing things the traditional way, it gives you a lot more freedom and, and creativity in finding complete different results and ways to go forward. It's um, also like with, yeah, also there again, just like instead of starting this typical office or like running an, um, a production company with everyone around me, I was able to sit in my tiny home office, but investing everything into the company and building up something else, which was working on, is working for me very well. Yeah. And that's the, um, I think it's um, being, a bit naive and approaching things can be very helpful. So for example, we also created the Social Travel Summit and that's a travel blogging conference um, for the, the top bloggers, for the professional bloggers. And the, the way how we got there, it was like we've been speaking at all the conferences and trade fairs, but we didn't get something out of it or not enough for ourselves. We didn't learn anything. There weren't speakers for, um, for, for, for our le level of blogging. And we've been speaking to the people running those conferences, but and we told them we need more marketing people and less PR and, and other things, but they, they weren't providing that. So what did we do? We created our own conference without knowing what it means to run a conference. But it was a big success and it's now like um, seven, eight years ago when we um, founded it. And um, the, the same way, I mean, we were passionate about it. We, we knew what was missing, but having no idea of, of how to run it, we, we obviously got help um, by Janice, who um, had a conference um, company herself in the past. So we got the right people together to, to run a very successful company um, and, and to run a successful conference. But, um, well, on the first time, um, on the first leg, we had no idea what we were doing there. But being that naive, it gave us a lot of opportunities and chances to run it successful. On the other side, not being only naive is not helping. So you all always have to be realistic as well. And then you find this, this middle level on in combining both. And then I think that's the trick of the success. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. And having, obviously having been to the, to the conference, I, yeah, I thought it was great. And again, I think having that fresh, view of how to do things and not being kind of stuck in you know a sort of more traditional way um you know really really helped it, it was uh, yeah it was a really it was a really cool thing to come to um so to start i guess to start to bring things to a to a close a little bit um tell me a bit more about your kind of future plans for travel dudes so where where would you like it to go have you got anything kind of in the pipelines that you that you're working on where yeah where would you like it to to turn um, I mean, it's, um, yeah, well, five years ago, that, that was like a big crisis I had to go through. Like, um, I came up with an excellent idea. It was something very unique. Well, uh, I created the first social travel platform as Travel Dudes. And um, at that time, um, it made sense that you don't need a new Pinterest, a new Instagram. You don't need a social travel or like a, um, a social media platform covering all kind of niche, not fashion and travel and automobiles and I don't know, and food. It was time really to have a niche 
social travel platform. And I came up with the idea. I had like a lot of new insights on new features. For example, instead of just like following a profile, a travel blogger, you were able to follow a keyword because like a blogger might travel to Barcelona, but next week he's maybe in Rome, but you want to find out more about Barcelona now. And so it, it's great to follow a travel blogger, but for me, it made so much sense to follow a keyword. So we gathered all the information together. So for example, you were able to follow Barcelona and to find everything about Barcelona travel related on travel dudes, but also on Twitter and Instagram. Then um, you might not be interested in a destination, but you might have been interested into food. So you want to, to follow food and you um, suddenly see a co cooking class in Thailand and you say, wow, that's amazing. I'm going there and my next holiday, I want this cooking class. And um, so I came up with this brilliant idea and it was all working and we launched it and everything went black for a complete week. I was in touch with big newspaper. They wanted to write about that. It, I wanted to shout it out and make it this big announcement. And I couldn't because it, my developers failed me completely. Instead of creating a website from scratch, which was the, the job, which I told them, they took the old website and took it all over with all the developing errors from all those years from 2004. And um, yeah, there was a big disaster. And even months after that, though we have um, run a community website, people weren't able to register. Um, so even months and I, I invested a lot of money and I couldn't fix it because it would have cost a lot of money again. The company was trying to fix it, but they, well, they, they, the only chance was to, to start all over again, which they didn't want to do either. Um, I didn't want to sue them. I would have been in this struggle then. Um, so I was trying to fix all those kind of issues for many, many years. Now in the recent years, now we have the GDPR rules um, with all the data and, and so running a community is far, far, yeah, far more risky. Um, so when someone uploads content, it's not really any, anymore on, on his shoulders if he got the rights to upload a photo, if he owns the, the, the rights to use it. Um, it's shifting more towards the, the site owner. There's still like a gray zone, but like as a running community, I really have to make a change now, unfortunately. So like um, we stay a community, but we recently had a relaunch. So we, uh, we stay, still have the travel bloggers we work with, but it will be only on invitation only. And so we, we are including and adding the old content um, every week now, and we'll get in touch with all the bloggers so that we still want to work together with them. But if we'll get more exclusive and on the other side, we change also our complete content strategy so that um, yeah, in the past we had like two sections where content got published and now it will be only one section, but it will be far more quality content and edited, which was also in the past, but now we get rid of the quantity part yeah. and where everyone was able to publish it. Now it's really just, there's nothing going online without being checked by my team of editors. Right, nice. Well, I guess there's a beauty of, yeah, in the early days, you just need to build up the kind of massive content on the website. But then once you have that, you can, there's more benefit to be had from, I guess, kind of pruning around the edges and just, and you know, making everything that you've got much better and you don't need as much kind of fast content to get onto the site. To well, and you're, you're, uh, you're the SEO expert. For example, when running a community like Facebook or Twitter, this goes over quantity. So you've got hundreds of people writing about food in Barcelona. 
And that was also my aim. I wanted a lot of people writing about a destination, about any everything. But at the moment, like you have like, um, let's say 10 article, articles about food in Barcelona, um, the content is competing each other. So, and because my developers failed me so big time, I'm not doing something in that way anymore. So we keep it now more exclusive and we'll be working on a new content strategy so that we might only have like one article about food, but this one will be top notch. And there might be a second one, but then might, one might be about um, high cuisine, one about um, um, street yeah. food, so that it's not competing anymore. So in the past, running the community, all the content was competing. So we, we really cre um, uh, get travel routes on a complete new level also for, for SEO and, and to create far better content also for the users in the end and yeah. for our partners to get more exposure. Yeah, sounds right on the money. Sounds right on the money. Hey, this, uh, yeah. Listen, when you've tied it back into SEO, that sounds as good as any place to bring it bring it to a close, Melvin. Very nicely done. Um, listen, it's been it's been an absolute. It sounds like exciting times coming up. Like there, you know, as uh, you know, those challenges that you've mentioned. I think you know most people will have had some sort of woes with developers over the years, and you know, it's I guess just a you know, it's a challenge that's just out there now for every business that they have to deal with people working with their websites, and it's so hard to find the right people and people who can do what they say they can do and things like that. So, um, so yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad to hear you've kind of come out the other side of that. And, uh, yeah, it sounds like there's some, some good stuff, good stuff coming up. So excited to see how that, how that develops. Um, have you got any kind of final thoughts, anything else you'd like to share with people, people listening, Melvin? Um, well, I think it's like, well, you, you, um, I think what is important is that you go for for your for your for your dreams, and um, I mean not everyone is. It's, it's like being an entrepreneur. A lot of times, it's also very hard. It, it makes no sense if everyone turns an entrepreneur. Uh, but I think most important is, is like that if you have a goal and um, just like trying to work on it and and make it possible, no matter what it is. A lot of people. Um, th thought it was amazing when I quit my job and I was traveling um, the world for half a year. And for me, it was like, wow, so why don't you, you do it? It was so easy to do. So um, I, that's my recommendation. If you want to do stuff like that, just like set your pr priorities in that way and then do it. Save some money, quit your job, you find another job or ask your boss, like with my friend when I've been traveling, um, he didn't quit his job. He asked his boss like to take a time out for three months, and the and the boss said, "Yeah, that's a great idea. Let's do that." Um, he was on his side, so I think that's the most important. Is like um, don't run or don't have like a boring life, but like keep keep it exciting and keep um, yeah following your dreams. Love it, love it. Hey, thanks so much for coming on. It's been great to talk to you. It's been there's so many good little items you've shared in there that I think people who are listening can can use and take away and, and apply for themselves, hopefully. Um, where's the best place to find you, Melvin? Website, social, give us the, give us the links and addresses. Travel dudes, no matter where. <laughs> Go onto the website, follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, I don't know what. Um, just, um, the best website is always the best because that's like where, yeah, where the travel dudes family is, but uh, everything else is also great. Easy as that, fantastic. Okay, thanks so much for your time, really nice to see you. You're welcome. Too. Take care. We'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye. There we have it. I hope you found that one useful. Melvin's got so much experience in the blogging and content world, and it's great to pull on some of those threads to get his insights.
there was loads in there that I think any travel business can take and put into action, regardless of the fact that it's coming from someone from the blogging world. If you go to traveldudes.com for more information, and you'll also find links to the various social channels, and you can join the huge followings that Melvin's got already. If you go to seotravel.co.uk forward slash Melvin hyphen Butcher, you can see all the show notes. That's M-E-L-V-I-N hyphen B-O-E-C-H-E-R. And yeah, you'll find the show notes there and links to the various things that Melvin mentioned in the conversation. You can also watch the video of the conversation there. And if you visit seotravel.co.uk forward slash podcast, you can find other episodes where you'll get lots of other insight too. If you're a travel company looking for marketing support from people who really care about your success, then please do get in touch at seotravel.co.uk and we'd love to hear from you. You can also read more about our 100% project there, which outlines how we give all the profit we make for the business to educational charities, both at home and around the world. We'd love your support in spreading the word about what we're doing so we can help these charities as much as possible. If you enjoyed the show, it would be fantastic if you could review us on iTunes and share what your favourite bits were there. Subscribe to it as well, and it would be fantastic if you could share it with at least one person who you think could benefit from the episode and the insight that Melvin offered. Go on, you know you know know someone. I'd love to hear from you and find out what you've enjoyed in particular so that we can continue to bring more content like this your way that you find both entertaining and also helpful. My email is tom, T-O-M, at seotravel.co.uk, and I'd love to hear from you. If you haven't already, give our other episodes a listen. We've had some incredible stories from people already, and there's more fantastic people coming up, so do stay tuned for future episodes. And when you subscribe, you'll get notified whenever we release a new episode, so you can be one step ahead of the game. Otherwise, thanks so much for listening and for your support and kind words. It's always lovely when we get messages from people saying they're enjoying the content. So please do send those in. And until next time, happy travels. Bye.